0: They're crazy, they're zany, and plain nuts, but they love Jesus and America's Keswick and all of you.
1: Here are the hosts of the Bob and Bill podcast, Robert Hayes and Bill Welty. Well, this is episode 9. It's Good Friday. Yes. A very, very special day for all of us as we think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had the privilege of going to Israel twice. I really didn't want to go because I don't like to fly. I'm a big chicken. But I remember the day that we walked off the coach and we were looking at Jerusalem, that panorama of the holy city. It was very, very meaningful. And that sure makes that song come alive. Mm -hmm. Great, great arrangement that you and Elizabeth played. Well, thank you. And again, that was Elizabeth Welty, your daughter-in-law. She has a great touch on that violin. So it's fun to have her join us. So here's part two of Dave Edwards' message from Romans chapter eight. I trust that if you haven't watched the first one that you'll go back and watch the Wednesday, Wednesday edition but this is a powerful ending to Romans chapter 8. Let's
0: watch. Not only that, but the second fatal success is that it produces marginal progress. It produces marginal progress. In other words, if you live on this counterfeit Christianity track, right, you, you can gain a little ground, right? You can go, if you've got enough self-discipline, you can suck it up, right? It's possible to live on this track. Trust me, I, I know, I've been there. Right? And with enough self-discipline, enough self-effort, you can stay on that track. But what you discover is that every bit of ground, you, for every step forward you take, you take two steps back. And every time you gain a little ground, you think, I got a hold of this, and then you lose a little ground. And, man, you gain a little ground for six months, and then you relapse, and you're back again. Because self-effort can only get you so far. Right? It produces... So counterfeit Christianity produces marginal progress. And see, it always produces a lot of secrets people that live on this track always have a lot of secrets because the culture of counterfeit christianity teaches people not to ever be honest right counterfeit christianity says you've got you've got to look good you got when you go to church man you got to flip on the switch you got to know what to say and how to sing and how to talk how to get through these moments and it, and you can't let anybody see the real you because they might judge you and so we learn how to wear masks. have you ever met somebody that In church and you thought, man, they seem so fake. Well, you know what that is? That's the result of counterfeit. It teaches people to keep a mask on, right? Like we're at a Halloween party, or if you're religious, a harvest festival, all right? And uh, which is the Christian Halloween, and uh, right? You can come dressed as a ghost, but it has to be the Holy Ghost, all right? And all right, Right, you can always tell people that it, on this track by how they pray. I, I've been in a lot of these circles where they take prayer requests. You ever had these prayer? You get, let's have share prayer, prayer requests. Someone will share something that's really honest. and Everyone's like, "Ooh, I don't know if I'd share that." Right? You can always tell someone who's hiding because it gets around them, and they always say the same thing, unspoken, unspoken. I have an unspoken. I always picture God going, "Have an answer for you? Can't tell you. And uh, sorry, not ever gonna know." Right? What is that, right? That's this idea that if I ever let anybody see the real me, they're all going to judge me, so i got to keep my front up. That's the fatal success of counterfeit Christianity. You see it, right? And, always, and, and D, it produces a lot of scars. I can always tell people who have been through that system and have come out because they come out scarred. They come out scarred up. they got stories of being hurt by Pastors and religious people and judgmental church goers. You know, one of the things that i I'd done in my lifetime is I started 12 citywide Bible studies for young adults and single adults. And I could always tell. I, we got to, I, I did one in Memphis. So We'd go out to eat every night after the Bible study. We'd have 150 singles go out to eat. We'd fill up a restaurant. And I always end up at the biggest table and I always want to hear people's stories. I would say, man, tell me, you know, tell me your story. Tell me your story, how you got here. Tell me your story about God. Tell me what, how, what, what it's been, you know, and they launch into Let me tell you about my church. And let me tell you about what I've been through. And it always sounded like footage off of Deacons Gone Wild, right? I mean, see them and not tip. And, you know, everybody's got a story of some, you know, some staff member ha- behaving badly. And I, and I would say to the, these people that were 25, 30, and I would say, to them how long ago that happened to you and they would say 15 years ago i was like you're still carrying that with you because this system scars people it's what it does it creates a lot of scars and there's no hurt like church hurt and some people will carry it with them their whole life and i just want to say that's not jesus Jesus doesn't act like that. When you get into the presence of Jesus, you don't find any residue of this stuff we're talking about. It didn't come from him. It didn't originate from him. That's not his character. That's not his nature. That's not what what it's like to be in his presence. That's not what it's like to worship him. And the final fatal success of counterfeit Christianity is that it misses the spirit, the heart of God. Because it's not about rules and lists and all this other stuff. That's not what it's about. It's not a self-improvement program where you try to fix yourself so God will be pleased with you. And yet, this is what counterfeit Christianity offers us, right? And then the fourth sign is that we try to fix our life with superficial solutions. We try to fix our life with superficial solutions. I mean, so what we try to do, look at verses 7 and 8. Look at this. We'll read it again. Because the mindset of the flesh is hostile towards God. In other words, I'm going to fix it myself. God, I got this. I know I'm not perfect, but what I'm going to do, God, is I'm going to promise you that next time is going to be different. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to to make some more promises. I'm just, uh, the hostility says, I, I got this. Right? So, God, what I'm going to do is I'm going to promise you that it's going to be different next time. So the superficial solutions that counterfeit Christianity offers us is that, Maybe we should just rededicate our life again. Or maybe we should refine our behavior. Like, God, uh, this time I'm going to mean it, and this time I'm going to cut it out. Or maybe we should just make another promise. Now, let me me ask us all a question tonight. If if rededicating our life and refining our behavior were the answers, why didn't it work the first hundred times we all did it? I I bet everybody in this house says, pray-to-prayer rededication at one time or another. I know I have. I've done it hundreds of times. That was my culture, right? You, get, you got far enough away from God, then you rededicate your life and start over, and you, you failed God, and then you, re, you, you recommitted, and you told God you were going to do things differently, and, and that, that promise lasted for you know four, five, six months, and then you kind of went back to where you started, and it was this constant this back and forth. Why didn't that work? If that's the answer, why didn't it stick? I'll tell you why. Because it's a band-aid. It's a cosmetic solution that cannot fix what's deep inside the soul. So let's just do a contrast, ready? Right? Let's, just, let's just do it so we can see where we are, right? We have this counterfeit Christianity track, and we have real Christianity, right? Let's just say if you're taking notes, let's just do a contrast. Right? Counterfeit Christianity, focus on the score. Real Christianity, focused on the Savior. Counterfeit Christianity, fueled by self-effort. Real Christianity, fueled by the life of the Spirit living within us. Counterfeit Christianity, fatal success. Real Christianity, fruit of the Spirit. Counterfeit Christianity, tries to fix itself with superficial solutions. Real Christianity, fixed itself with surrender. God, I surrender my life. I give up my right to myself. I can't fix myself. So I lay myself before you and ask you to do in me what I could never do on my own. That's real Christianity. And so what then has to happen to kick us up out of this track of counterfeit Christianity into the real thing? Something has to come from without, outside of us that will give us the ability to kick up out of this old track of trying to prove that we're good enough and earning God's love and, and showing him that we're going to be better and all this other stuff that if I'm good enough, long enough, something has to come from the outside of our life that will kick us up out of this rut of counterfeit Christianity and carry us into the life that God has always had for us. And this is what Paul has been working up to. Right? So if you're taking notes, number five, the final point is the freeing spirit of the Christian life. The freeing spirit of the Christian life has to break into our life and kick us up out of this old grave of counterfeit Christianity. Look, this is where he's talking. Look at this. Ready? verse, Chapter 8, verse 1. Look at it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lots of condemnation for people that are in counterfeit Christianity. And you fail, you got to make up, you know, you got to tell God that you're going to try harder and you feel bad about yourself and then you fail enough and you got to feel like you got to hide it from yourself and hide it from other people and hide it from God. Lots of condemnation to go around in counterfeit Christianity. But in real Christianity, look at this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That when you open your life to Christ, you become uncondemnable. That God doesn't see you through the lenses of your past. That you're not defined by your greatest failure or your greatest defeat. You're defined by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that when God looks at you, he looks at you not as a sinner, but as the son. He sees you through the lens of the son of Jesus. You see it? This is the freeing spirit of the Christian life. That God didn't send Jesus to get us into heaven he sent jesus to get heaven into you Come on, man. that makes me want to spike a hymnal doesn't it <laughs> right, <that>. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you know it's true that should be the title of your next cd spike a hymnal that's what you should call it all right so Anyway, so look, at, look, look how this begins to build. Look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit, of the life of Christ Jesus, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Look at this. Look at verse. Look at. For what the law could not do, right? This old system of counterfeit Christianity with its 1,300 things could never set anybody free. It can make you feel bad. It can show you that you could never measure up. It can show you that you're never good enough. But it could never produce lasting change for what the law could not do. Weak as it was, God did. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh that he would condemn sin in the flesh. That Jesus broke into our failed attempts, our half-hearted promises. And he did something on our behalf that we could never do for ourselves. The law said if you failed, you're out. And so Jesus breaks in to human history and lives a perfect life. The law said if you failed, and if you can't make up for it for your sacrifices, you can't bring another bull and bring another ram and, and sacrifice another animal and make up for your sins, then you, you have no hope. And so Jesus breaks into human history, and he lives a perfect life for where we've been in perfect And for the sacrifices that we could never use to atone for our own problems, the Bible says that Jesus became the final sacrifice. That it's not our promises that make it work for us. It's not our our, our rededication or our refining our behavior. That Jesus is our sacrifice. That he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. That you might become the righteousness of God. God no longer sees you through sin. He sees you through his son. Think of it. And the law counterfeit Christianity said, if you can't fix it on your own, then there's no hope for you. And so Jesus came and lived the perfect life. He died on the cross. They placed him in a tomb. He beats physical death and he beats spiritual death and he's ascended to be seated at the right hand of God. And because he's alive tonight, you have hope. Because he's alive tonight, there's another life available to you for what the law could not do, weak as it was, God did through Jesus. This is the freeing spirit of the Christian life. Paul is trying to get people to break out of this old counterfeit Christianity track, this old religious mindset that says, i got to earn, i got to prove, i got to try, and to step into the freeing spirit of the Christian life. I got see say, this is personal to me tonight. And I, 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 I haven't been through what a lot of you guys have been through. But I grew up in a system like this. I spent my whole life being a good religious person. Early on, I gave my life to Christ. I walked in, I signed a card, I checked a box. I gave my life to Christ when I was nine. I felt like I missed hell by this much. I was nine, but I guess I got rescued out of the flames. By the, i missed it by this much. I don't even know what I got saved from at nine. What do you get saved from? Like overdosing on sugar? I don't even know. What is that? Right? And then I, man, I, then I got to high, middle school and high school, and they said, man, if you're going love, to love God, true love waits. Sign the card, check the box. That's what I did. I signed the card, checked the box. I was in. truthfully, my true love waits card was my birth certificate, but I digress. And, uh, and so... But I, I signed the card, I checked the box. And then I got to college, and they said, man, you know, if you're going to be God's person, you've got to join God's party. You've got to be on the right political party. I'm like, that doesn't sound right to me. God, choose the sides Yes, the GOP, God's own party, you have to sign on to it. I was like, really? That doesn't sound right to me, but okay. Uh, that's what I'm. So I signed the card, checked the box. I graduated from college, and I became a man. And I was told, man, if you're going to be a man of God, you've got to be a promise keeper. Here's seven promises. You've got to keep them all. Never mind they're all morally driven. You could keep them with your own behavior, but just overlook that. And I signed the card and checked the box. I spent my whole life signing cards and checking boxes and promising God I was going to live this way and I wasn't going to do this and I was going to do that and I was going to be better at, doing the, at the, keeping these promises. And then I started ministry and I started a Bible study in Houston, Texas and went from 40 people to 2,500 in about four years it was full of broken people. It was full of a lot of the stories that I know that are in this room and a part of the colony. And I had people showing up my Bible study that were, whose life was wrecked, had been wrecked on the shores of reality. And they would come to me afterwards and they'd say, what am I supposed to do about this? I'm 25, I'm already divorced. 25, I'm raising two kids by myself. What am I supposed to do about this? I, I, I've been addicted all this time in my life. What, 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 what do I do with it? What, what am I, what, what's God think about this? What am I supposed to do? And, and you know what I would say to them? Well, you just need to tell God you're sorry. You just need to tell God you're sorry and clean your life up. Because you know what I thought? That's what I did. I spent my whole life towing the line. Why don't you tow it? And I remember, I remember hearing myself say that. And you know what I thought? That doesn't sound like the Jesus that I read about in the Gospels. Remember the story of the man who lived among the tombs that was cutting himself? Mm-hmm. Cutting didn't start in our day and age. It happened way that he was living in the tombs, gashing himself with rocks, and he runs up out of, the, out of the tombs towards Jesus. And nowhere in that story does Jesus say, okay, before I deliver you, I need you to sign this card and check this box and tell me you're sorry. First tell me you're sorry and let me see that you really mean it and then I'll deliver you. Instead he sets this guy free, puts him back in his right mind and sends him back to the town to go witness. The evidence of the life of Jesus coming into someone's life was that people were always freed and put back in their right mind. And I was saying to these people, well you just need to get your life together. You just need to make another promise and maybe you didn't do it right. See, the system of, of counterfeit Christianity wants us to believe that if it doesn't work, that it's our fault. Right? That maybe, maybe maybe we didn't mean our prayer. Maybe we didn't have enough faith or maybe we weren't sincere enough. And this counterfeit system says, well, you did it wrong. What you got to do is you got to do it again because you did it wrong last time. And so we end up in this cycle of trying to earn God's approval and earn God's love and tell Him that we're sorry and making all these promises. We, we live in this rat... This, this wheel, this rat wheel, this hamster wheel where we just go around and around and around making promises and trying to earn and and trying to earn and improving. And the system says, well, it's clearly not our fault that it didn't work, it's your fault. And now we live under this, this extra condemnation of it didn't work for me. And I just want to say tonight, that's not Jesus. That's not Christianity. And I finally figured out what God wanted from me. He didn't want my promises. He didn't want my best effort. He didn't want to know how many scriptures I'd memorized. I finally figured out what God wanted. You know what he wanted? This right here. He wanted me to come to him like this cup. Open and empty. He didn't want anything from me. He just wanted me to dump myself out and to say, God, I got nothing to offer you. All I can do is to offer my life upward and open and empty. That I, as best as I know how, I'm going to dump out my list. I'm going to dump out my self effort. I'm going to dump out the fatal success that I've accumulated along the way from counterfeit Christianity. I'm going to dump out all my superficial solutions and all the attempts that I've tried. That at some point, the breakthrough of Christianity begins, if you're taking notes, when we quit trying and start trusting. The breakthrough of the freeing spirit of the Christian life happens when we stop trying to get it and earn it, and we start trusting God to do something in us. We say, God, I offer my life to you upward and open and empty. This is where Christianity begins. Now watch me closely. This, this is counterfeit Christianity. Counterfeit Christianity is bottoms up. Counterfeit Christianity, we put our life under this glass and we run around and do all these really religious things and we sing songs and make promises and do all this stuff, but there's no life in it. There's no power on it because counterfeit Christianity puts a glass ceiling between us and God and the frustrating thing is is when we're in church and we're in these environments and we can sing songs and we know that he's there but we don't connect with it there's no presence on what we're doing there's no power on it there's no freedom we just have been doing it because someone told us to sing and to show up and to do bible studies and to do whatever we do in our culture but there's no life on it because we've turned our heart upside down and we got this glass ceiling between us and God And at some point, we have to say, God, I can't can't live this way anymore. All I can do is to offer you my life and to turn my life upward and open and ask you to fall fresh on me. And fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit for what the law could not do. The law could never bring life into your life. It could never bring freedom into your life. For what the law could not do, weak as it was, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh that we might receive this presence of Jesus and ask him to fill our life. And you know what you find? is that Christianity is not about a list. It's about love. And then we would say, God, I received the love of Jesus. When they hung him high On that cross and they stretched him wide it wasn't the wood that kept him on that cross when he hung between earth and sky it wasn't the iron of the nails that kept his hands pinned to that cross it was love it was love that kept him on that cross this is the free spirit of the Christian life is that we receive the presence of Jesus and as we do, we're restored back into the love of God. That God sees us as lost sons and daughters and that he sent Jesus to reclaim us then to bring us back into his presence and we say, God, then all I can do is to offer you my life, turn upward and open and empty and ask you to fill me in a fresh way. Fall fresh on me, fill my life with you then everything that we do becomes an act of love. In counterfeit Christianity, it's an act of coercion. You have to do it because someone told you to do it or because it's on a list somewhere. So now, right, now we don't guard our bodies because someone told us we shouldn't drink or someone told us that we shouldn't do something, we do it as an act of love. We say, God, you, you set me free through Jesus. You, you gave me your love. And out of all the places you could have chosen to live, you've chosen to come live in me. And my response to that is, I want to live the life you have for me. No one makes me give stuff up. No one makes me do stuff. I'm not coerced into doing something. I do it as an act of love. I'm not going to church because someone told me, you better get yourself to church. I go to church because of all the places that God could live. He chose to place his life in me. And I want to place my life in connection with other people that are carrying his presence. And I want to worship with those people. And I want to do life with those people. And I want to read scripture with those people. I'm not doing, the church is not on a list. I do it because I want my life to be connected to the other lives that are carrying the presence of Jesus. You don't get get extra points for singing in the choir. I don't know how to break it to you. I know that's terrible. You don't get extra points for going on a mission trip or or being on a church committee or a leadership. Those are all acts of love. We sing in the choir not because it gives us some sort of status or people look at us or because we think that gets us in with God. We say, you know what? I got a voice. I sort of got a voice. And I just want to join my voices with other voices that are worshiping the Lord. I'm not doing it because it's on a list or I get points. It's an act of love. It's, that, that's what drives, what drives Christianity is the love of God. Amen. Amen. So I came tonight with a freeing message. I wonder if we got anybody in the house that way, maybe way back in the day you started out like this, but as time passed, your heart started to do this. And all of a sudden, You start going through the motions. And the motions have no meaning. And there's no heat on what you're doing and there's no life. And I came tonight with a simple message. A message of freedom. That this is not how God intended our hearts to be. You can't hear him. You can't sense him. There's no life on living like this. It's only when we say, God, I turn my life up to you and over to you upward and open and empty and i ask you to fall fresh on me i wonder if we got any hearts in this room tonight that have gone upside down that there's been a glass ceiling between you and god and your prayers bounce back and there's no life on your scripture reading and worship is you're not moved by worship and maybe tonight's the night to shatter the ceiling of religion to shatter the ceiling of counterfeit Christianity and to allow the spirit of Jesus to break into our life and to break through the hard errors of our life and to free us. You're freer than you know. You're more loved than you know. You're more free than you know. And the glass ceiling has kept us from experiencing all that God has for us. And we got to say, God, then fill me. Fall fresh on me. Fall fresh on me.
1: Well, Robert, Sunday's Easter. That's right. It's going to be weird. It is going to be a, a unique Sunday celebration, very different from what we're used to. But sometimes different is good. Well, I don't know that like, we won't have all the flowers and the right. pomp and circumstances that so many churches have. But you know what's cool? The resurrection message will not be stopped. That's right. Because all across this nation and around the world, there'll be pastors, a lot of our pastor friends, mm-hmm that are live streaming their services. So I want to encourage you to make sure you do that. Spend time with your family. Celebrate the fact that He is risen. I want to encourage you to join us on Monday for Worship Live, beginning at Mm 1.30. We do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday Friday. And that will be available on BoxCast, YouTube, and Facebook Live. So thanks for joining us on Episode 9. Have a wonderful Easter. He is risen. He is is risen 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 indeed. indeed.
0: If you enjoyed today's podcast, let us know. Write us at bewelty at or it'll be down in the description below.
1: If you'd like more information about us, you can visit our website at www.americaskezik.org.
0: Join us every Wednesday and Friday at 2.30 for the next edition of the podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Tyler. And have a good and godly day.